0: uh
1: focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret it's mentally, 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 yours. mentally, yours, mentally yours, mentally yours. Hi everyone, I'm Yvette and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. This week I'm chatting to April Kelly. She's an actor, producer and an ambassador for Bipolar UK. We're going to be talking about bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder and also what it's like working in the entertainment industry when you have mental health issues. April Kelly, welcome to Mentally Yours. Hey,
2: thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> so we're chatting about all kinds of things. I met you at a Happy Little event
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we were talking about all kinds of things there. Um, like me, you've got bipolar disorder yes. but you also have borderline personality disorder. Yeah, it's right? got a friend.
2: Yeah. <laughs> when did you find out that um, you had those things? Uh, So I was formally diagnosed with bipolar nearly three years ago. No, two years ago, I lie. Um, But I've suffered from the age of 15, undiagnosed. As we know, bipolar takes years to diagnose correctly. And uh, it wasn't until last year in March that I publicly came out about it. And um, I say that as though I've got a million followers. No, I just mean to my friends, people I worked with. And then over the course of this last year, when I've uh, gone back into therapy, kicking and screaming is because of the, because of uh, borderline and the traits that come with that, that are so familiar with bipolar. They're best friends. Is it fairly, well, I don't know about common, but is that
1: something that... Does happen a fair bit.
2: Yeah, so I, it's not it's not unusual. And then um, ADHD also comes in with, with that, uh, which I haven't been diagnosed. I, I, I'd be interested to do the test just to just to see if the three musketeers really existed. Um, but no, the traits of which I find what trigger me are relationships mainly. So um, so that's where the borderline comes in, the fear of abandonment, and all those fun elements. You
1: said you first sort of realised that. Things were a bit
2: difficult when you were 15. What kind of things were going on then? Really confusing. I just, a, a real deep feeling of emptiness in the pit of my stomach. And I couldn't explain it for love nor money. And it was, I I, I remember saying this um, when I did come up publicly, and you probably read it, the letters of my younger self is, I didn't know what this feeling was it felt like some sort of food poisoning but I knew I hadn't eaten anything badly and it was just uh, it it was like a real dark butterflies Um, and I couldn't shake it off and we put it down to being a teenager and growing Um, but I knew I knew I I would struggle to sleep and and things that I now know as um, bad cycles I was like oh my god that was happening then
1: and in terms of bipolar
2: disorder, um, are you one or two? So have you had mania, hypermania? How's that side I'm, of things? I'm two. <laughs> so um, I, I've never like reached the heights of, of mania, but I do... We, we we discovered very quickly that um, it's not about managing the lows; it's about managing how high I go. If they can if they can stop me from going too high, then um, I don't have as far to fall. What sort of things happened when you have kind of gone too high? So that can be with the industry I'm in. It's very easy because uh, you can have spikes of really good uh, episode, well, good career moves, and then uh, a lot of rejection. Um, so. I remember when we were filming a film, it was a month over in the States and um, you're just pumped with adrenaline. You don't think about anything. You're having the time of your life. And then as soon as it's all over, your bubbles burst and and everyone else goes on uh, about their days and moves on to another project. And for me, it feels like a breakup from an entire group of people. And um, that height, I plummeted and it goes into... It, I'm sheer exhaustion. I even ended up passing out um, when I came back out of sheer exhaustion, but couldn't sleep. Just was up all night with my dad. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about sort of the industry.
1: So you're an actress, but you're also
2: producer, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Do um, like yeah. you also
1: direct? Or did I no, of-
2: no, 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 no directing. <laughs> oh, okay. good lord. But, no, <laughs> <down>. <laughs> but, but acting and producing is still like huge. Yes. So I trained as an actor, and um, in my second year of drama school, I started my production company called Mini Productions. Um, The reason I did that was we were doing a module where we had to say what we were going to do when we weren't acting that wasn't soul-destroying. And um, I presented a production company and my tutor said to me afterwards, uh, do you want to come back next week and do something a little bit more realistic? And I registered the company two weeks later. I was 21 and then uh, graduated and met my business partner who doubles up as my rock, my hero, Sarah. And um yeah, and, and the rest is history as they say. So we've built the company over the last um eight years. Oh, yeah, that's that's really close to 30 now, isn't it? Yeah, I'm close to 30. Eight, eight years. And uh and still act. Um because I was just adamant I didn't want something outside the industry to support my acting career. I wanted to stay stay there because I love I love the industry.
1: Mm. Being an actress must be quite challenging. Or sorry, is it? Do you prefer actor or actress? Oh, I'm easy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So being an actress, that must be quite challenging in terms of mental health. I would assume because you're going to auditions, this kind of constant rejection. How do you manage that? Like, is it is that hard? Yeah. The, um, well, everything.
2: Well, actually, my mum brought me up really well to deal with rejection. Uh, I don't know how she did it, um, but I always kind of accepted that that side of things. Uh, it was more. It's, it's more when you do a project. Um, I get into a routine very quick. So even if I'm doing something for two days or I'm doing something for four months, I will make a family. And leaving that family devastates me. But rejection in general, it's the name of the game. And as soon as I got onto the production side, and I saw more and more how things were being cast, you kind of realise it's actually very little about yourself. It's so much down to well, what you look or what you look like, obviously. But all the conversations that are going around, uh, to some extent, I've <laughs> I've done many an audition where the roles come through, and I know in my heart of hearts, there's no way I'm going to get this. But the casting director has to be seen to be. Doing a, a wide range uh, of of people in, and um, and then then you see it when it comes out, and you're like, "That's a famous person." I didn't stand a chance. All right.
1: <laughs> Can you tell me a bit more about the projects that you've worked on?
2: Yeah. So uh, recent ones, or what? What would you like to know? I guess like the highlights, and also yeah, the most recent ones. The highlights. Wow. Uh, well, being nearly thirty, which I keep bringing up, that's terrifying. I. Uh, <laughs> that's what sends me um, a little bit. Loopy. I'm going, uh, I'm kicking and screaming to 30. But no, the highlights. So, um, back in 2015, Sarah and I produced a a short film, which was our biggest short film at the time. And it was Christian Cook's directorial debut. And Christian Cook has been in films like Love Rosie, and he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. And um, it was it was so difficult. It was something we'd never done before. It had Peter Mullen in it and Michelle Fairley who are incredible actors. But it was all shot in up in Northumberland and um we were shooting on like on I don't know what you would call it. I wanna call it a mountain, but I'm making a mountain out of a molehill there. But the snow came down and it was just it was incredible to do. But um, uh, really challenging. And that film went on to do some incredible things and won many awards. And it did get us long-listed for a BAFTA. Uh, so that was incredibly exciting. Personally within the company, I did a film in 2017 called Annie Waits. And I played Annie. And uh, that was a story of a 20-something-year-old navigating the dating world, uh, which was very... Uh, very true to myself because she just didn't want to settle down so <laughs> she was just rinse lava repeat of all these different men and uh, that in itself that traveled the world it went to 70 festivals around uh, around the world and we ended up winning rising star awards with that and that was super exciting I think most recently the two highlights uh, for for myself is we shot the film out in LA the film I was I was mentioning where where it was a month in LA and it was the biggest high and I would say still the best time of my entire life. It was a film that I had uh, written and was in and produced and uh, it centered around bisexuality. And although it's a buddy film at heart, it dealt with how once, uh, once you and your friends get a drink in you, your seemingly heterosexual friend uh, decides this is a superb moment to uh, explore their sexuality. And it was the fallout of that because bisexuality is just never really addressed. And, um, and whilst I was trying to get my head around my own mental health as, as a youngster, I was laying in bed wide awake going, am I gay or am I straight? and then didn't realise that bisexuality was a thing. So uh, that was a huge project for me. Um, it premiered at BFI Flare and then ended up on the Flare Mentorship. And uh, yeah, that's travelled traveled the world too. So I feel very lucky.
1: Do you think working in a creative industry as you are, it's easier to talk about mental health issues? Because I think the assumption is that sort of very creative people are, automatically more open about that kind of things or that kind of thing or more open-minded perhaps
2: yeah um i always say coming out as bipolar was far more difficult than coming out as bisexual it uh yeah unfortunately that was that was the case fortunately though i am surrounded by people who are well educated uh, in mental health or even if they're not educated in the nuance or the, the how specific bipolar is, they know where to go to become educated. Um, so it, that's why it took, it took a year for my real close network to get their head around it. Um, but in general, yes, it's, it's far, it's far easier. Um, it's certainly more common. Uh, I know I've got friends in the corporate world and, um, I'm, it's so strange because in the corporate world, there is so much mental health issues it doesn't take a genius to work that out and uh i know i know companies now that are set up to uh, take therapists into the corporate world and and offer actual uh therapy sessions not counseling like proper therapy sessions not to say counseling not proper god that sounds awful um so yeah in short it is easier doesn't get any less terrifying telling a new person, though. Do you feel that it's affected your career in any way in particular? Not directly. Um, that's a lie. Yeah, yeah, it has. Uh, I would struggle to work for another company for a long period of time. Yeah, and I th- I thank God for my business partner because I didn't realise how unwell I was last year um, from about October 2018. And it was December 23rd, 2019, where the switch just happened and I felt well again. And I just didn't know how I'm well. And I lost three months of my life at the back end of that. All these plans, everything I was supposed to be achieving, I was supposed to head over to the States. Everything just got put on hold um, because I was sleeping 14 hours a day. I could barely function uh, and I just wouldn't have been able to hold a job down in in an office or in-house production so yes it does
1: (laughs) do you feel that you've got to a place now where you're kind of managing both um, conditions and if
2: so how still getting to grips with the borderline element of it that was a that was a bit of a curveball um, at the back end of last year I'd like to say I am I have my own coping mechanisms Um, some of them not so healthy, others, uh, more healthy therapy is actually helping. Um, my therapist wasn't here last week and I missed a week and saw her this week. And I remember calling my mum, going, I actually felt a difference with her not being here. Um, and considering I went there kicking and screaming, I was like, Oh, uh, so yes, I know more and more what my triggers are. Um, the borderline's harder to deal with because it's learning about your behavior and it can't be medicated. So actually last year I found the combination of medication to, that's fun to say, combination of medication, um, which really balanced me uh, and my bipolar. Borderline though, it's all about relationships and I haven't quite got a grasp of that yet, but I'm kind of going in balls deep because I thought, otherwise, how am I going to learn? Because it's so easy just to run away from anything like that and kind of isolate yourselves. And uh, I'm like, no, I'm going to have to sit in this feeling and work it out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> were there particular signs or symptoms or was it something that particularly happened um, that made you or your therapist realize you had borderline personality disorder
2: yeah uh, yeah it all stems back to when i was triggered at 18 um, which i haven't actually got I, ha- I haven't got to the stage where i can talk about it publicly yet oh, sure. it's um it's yeah it's very strange because i i was on another podcast and uh, they'd actually given me a couple of beers so i was like yeah let's give it a go and then i said the story and then next day I was like, nah, that can't, that can't go in. I'm not ready for that yet. So, uh, that was a triggering experience, um, based around a relationship and, um, just the older I get and with dating and with friends and you, you've got your friends hitting 30 who are getting married, settling down, having kids and you're nowhere near that. And then my reaction is to date way too much or, Just end up making poor choices. And uh, that's what I was doing. And it became quite apparent. And then learning to just date steadily was a real was a real task for me um yeah
1: am glad you've sort of talked about relationships and dating and love affair but you you've also written about it haven't you what yeah. made you want to do that <laughs> I, in well, terms of mental health
2: and love uh because i like to put myself in dangerous <laughs> uh positions apparently according to my therapist she's like why do you do this <laughs> um yeah i uh I, I don't know the letter to my younger self was very exposing especially for my parents and sarah um I, wanted, I checked it over with them. I've just learned so much about myself and relationships over the last year. And in particular when I was uh, when I was diagnosed, I was in a long-term relationship and unfortunately the diagnosis came way too late for saving it. And she was such a rock considering these rapid episodes were happening. And uh, we didn't know what was going on. So all she could do whilst I was sobbing or shaking was hold me tight. So I wanted to, although I know she would have never read it, I wanted to apologize to her. And I wanted to say sorry. And I wanted to say thank you to some people because it's, it's easy for when I'm on a high, especially with dating apps, to go. I'm going to date five times this week and uh, (laughs) it's so easy it's just there and I've done that before I've even been known to do a morning date and then cocktails in the evening
1: I'm laughing because I had a conversation with Jules our producer literally just before this saying that I'd had a day like that where I had a date a coffee date in the morning then I had a lunch
2: date on the same day so sorry no no it's efficient (laughs) we're <laughs> like busy though. women, you've yeah. got to get it all in. Um, so, yeah, I love doing that. And as a bisexual woman, I'm just everyone. Um, that sounds bad. I'm not mum. I don't do it that much. Don't worry. And so it was all triggering. And then what I'd learn, and this is what I say, I'll be the love of your life for three weeks. And then reality kicks in or I start getting feelings or they start getting feelings when we get scared and run away. So, um That's kind of where it stems from. And I am, uh, I am dating someone now and I promised I wouldn't mention it, but, uh, yeah, I'm steadily dating someone now. Um, and it's not, it's, it's the perfect balance of not serious and wonderful routine. It's really healthy, which, um, is scary, (laughs) I'm trying to like not self-destruct every day. But yeah.
1: How do you think that friends and family can best support people with bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder? Such a good
2: question. Uh, actually.
1: Ooh, sorry, or any kind of mental health. issue. Yeah, guess.
2: yeah. Um, uh, funny enough, me and Sarah were, were applying for a grant recently and they have to do an equality form. I tick every box. So I, <laughs> so that was great. And then Sarah was doing it. And for the first time ever, we got to the carer question and I was like, yeah, you, you are a carer. Um, and she knows before I do, she can see it in my eyes if, 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 I've gone. So what I've learned with Sarah, what I've learned with my parents, um, keep your phone on loud. If you know I'm not in a good place because I'm notorious for calling my dad up at 4am just to just to see what the meaning of life is Um, feed me. That's one of the big things feed me. Uh, I live by myself. So when I when I get bad appetite just goes. So what happens so I hear is a is a couple of people talk to a couple of other people and um, and I get passed around and fed, (laughs) uh, which is lovely. And check in. So I'm very open with the fact that there's not a morning I wake up and I I wish I hadn't. And that's a sliding scale. It's not like severe every day, but it's just kind of like, oh, crap, we got to do this again. Jesus. And um, I've taken it upon myself to I've got a responsibility, not only to the people around me, but myself to be accountable for my actions. So there's a handful of people I speak to without fail every day and those people keep checking in on me which means I can't I I genuinely couldn't disappear if I tried.
1: (laughs) So let's talk about bipolar disorder and also bisexuality because you're very open about everything. Um,
2: Yes yeah so I actually wrote an article recently for um, Bipolar UK and uh I don't think this is going to come to any surprise to people, but bipolar increases the risk of suicide by 20 times. And bisexuals are reported to be more likely to take their own lives compared to the rest of the LGBTQ plus community and heterosexuals. And this is interesting because uh, the suicide rate for trans is, is extremely high as well. But because bi erasure is such a thing and your sexuality, as uh, if it's bisexual is so grey so you're not you in some cases you're not accepted in, in either community so the suicide rate is very high but it's not pinpointed if it's that makes about yeah, exactly no yeah so that's a big one uh, also massive shock uh, the bye-byes as i like to call it i'm a bye-bye Are more likely to have drug or alcohol issues yes superb there we go the life expectancy as well uh it says that bipolar is one of the primary causes of loss of life and your life expectancy is 12 years less. So um, what is also interesting about that is that bisexuality is, is the largest portion of the LGBTQ plus community. And um, I think the, the, gray, the grayness of bisexuality and the fact that bipolar is so hard to pinpoint as well. The combination of those two, I was saying to my mum the other day, I was like, I've, I've gone through the stage of going, right, am I straight or am I gay? Oh, I'm bisexual right down the middle. Am I depressed or have I got anxiety? No, it's bipolar right down the middle. And I've got to this stage now where I'm going, do I want to get married and have kids or do I want to adopt because I don't want to pass this on? And it's always constantly down the middle. Um, and I really wish someone could just tell me, <laughs> tell me it's just this instead of having to juggle both things all the time.
1: Are there any particular sort of supportive groups that you know of that are particularly for people who are bisexual and have mental health issues? Or have you wow. focused more on um, working with the Bipolar UK?
2: Yeah, I, there needs to be a group that does that. The Bye Bys group. I'm starting it here and now um no that's a really good uh, there's a lot of lgbtq plus communities that um do have incredible mental health support uh, uh stonewall for one is is incredible um but for me i, I found a, i found a home at bipolar uk and uh and i i became their ambassador at the back end of last year what kind of
1: stuff does that entail
2: Uh, A a lot of talking. Um, (laughs) I'm their their media ambassador. So I'm doing a lot of podcasts. I I write for them. I go to events and I'm I'm starting to do, um, I'm going to be starting to do videos. And I don't want to say vlogs and I don't want to say documentary, but I'm going to be doing snippets and uh, talk very candidly about it, uh, which is another thing to touch on about uh, relationships and bipolar. I usually get away with it. I usually don't have to say anything, but, um, but then as soon as you become the ambassador of your own illness, it's pretty, pretty tough to hide that. Uh, it's not on my Tinder profile. I was like, oh, by the way, <laughs> bipolar. No, not on Tinder anymore. Um, that's not good for mental health. So uh, back to the cause, um, Bipolar UK. Yeah. So it's really interesting um, to be a part of that family because they, unbeknownst to them, actually helped me uh, at the early stages, especially during the sleepless nights. Um, I found so much comfort in in their website and, and reading other people's stories. So what I'm actually going to do for them from April, I'm going to do a year long fundraiser called Challenge April. And uh, the whole point of that is I'm going to do a load of different challenges, which, um, which also will be brought to me by the audience by people that are living with bipolar because I think so often we keep going, no nah, no nah, I can't do that no I can't do that, if, if I do that I might be ill halfway through it and I'll, and flying or, or anything like that it could all be triggering and I'm going come on, I if I can do it, you can do it and then if you want to do it, let's do it together so that's, that's the plan for the next year
0: So this is goodbye Mentally yours,
1: so go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally yours. mentally yours,
2: mentally yours, mentally yours.
1: If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116 123. And we'll go to Samaritans.org. If you've enjoyed this chat, you can also find us on Facebook. We have a lovely Facebook group also called Mentally Yours. And we're also on Twitter at Mentally Thanks very much to Juliet Nichols, our producer, and to Lucy Baker for our jingles. See you next time.